0: Utah's Network. Hi, this is Stephen Turek from the Free Rooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of Ego, the 80s Geek Out. This episode is dedicated to the music of the 80s, and the hosts talk about all the songs and bands that helped form their childhood. We hope you enjoy the show. Episode two of Ego, the 80s Geek Out podcast. My name is Ian Clark, and I'm joined as always by the Duran to my Duran, Mr. A. Bradford Anderson. Brad, how are you tonight? I'm well. How are you, sir? I'm very well myself, and we're going to talk some music. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yes, <music>. we are. <laughs> Yeah, as, as is the subject of the show is eighties centric and we're gonna what we, we thought what we do is an eighties music overview. At a later date we'll probably go year by year and take a look at releases, uh big albums, things like that that came out starting in nineteen eighty and, and you know, probably dedicating a, an episode to each year down the line, but we thought it might be a good idea to just kind of do a bit more of an overview because it allows us to talk about a little bit different things, um, the rise of MTV, other uh, genres that kind of emerged in the 80s, things like that. So, so we'll kind of do an overview one, and uh, at some point down the road, we'll we'll kind of dive a little deeper into the specific years themselves. But uh, I thought this was a good idea. This was Brad's idea for the next episode. So, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk some music let's do it yeah so brad and i both big <laughs> music fans uh brad does some dj stuff i have a vast vinyl collection i'm i'm very much a you know music on in the background while i'm doing things type of guy like if i'm today i'm you know painting D miniatures i got i got pandora on all that type of stuff i'm always listening to music and uh uh, a lot of it is still 80s music that I like to listen to. So this was a, a no-brainer, I think, for both of us to um, to talk music. I mean, wh- and clearly you're a music guy too, Brad.
1: It dictates my life. It has saved my soul. And I really can't function without it. I think uh, it's probably one of the strongest... Non-living entities in my life that keeps me going on a daily basis. So,
0: <laughs> there you go. All right, I th- <laughs> there. Yeah. So suffice to suffice to say, we're we're music guys. So. Yeah, we are. <laughs> awesome. So, a, a bunch of different things to touch on. Really, from the '80s, it was it was kind of a crazy decade overall for music because so many things changed. So many major artists that are still around uh, rose to popularity in the '80s. Just uh, a real uh an era of of change and growth and a lot of really cool stuff came out of the 80s and a lot of neat stuff later on i'm gonna i'm gonna have a little quiz for brad too i'm gonna we're gonna do a one hit wonders quiz from the 80s later so uh, he has no idea that i was planning to do this so so, this will be
1: unbelievable really (laughs) yeah this
0: will be a true test of your of your 80s knowledge it'll be so we'll have some fun with that later but um uh, I I don't know. I don't even know where to start. There's so much. Um, maybe let's just start with the the big names that kind of ruled the '80s. Uh, pop music was was really the big thing. Obviously, you had the emergence of hip hop and new wave, and there were some uh, some of the straight up you know rock acts that were kind of trucking along. But um, right. but the the pop stars really. Were the '80s as far as music? When you talk about Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince, people like that, I mean, is that what you think of as is kind of the big names that come out of the '80s? Yeah,
1: I, I think you know, on the domestic front, you know, certainly. I mean, Madonna, without you know, hands down, was I think probably one of the earlier videos that I ended up seeing on MTV. Her name was kind of fairly synonymous with all my girl cousins. They were Madonna, <laughs> this, Madonna, that. So it was kind of intuitive for me to actually follow up, you know, in the age way prior to the internet to find out as much as possible about Madonna in magazines, uh, news clippings, anything that I could get my hands on. You know, I'm a huge Madonna fan, and I've got a pretty impressive Madonna CD collection, to say
0: the least. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was never, like, I always liked Madonna. I, I liked pretty much most of the pop stuff in the 80s, especially the early to mid part of the 80s so i definitely i definitely remember enjoying it wasn't anything i purchased but uh but things like lucky star you know was a, yep. was one that i always really liked and so and you couldn't go anywhere because she was so big you couldn't go anywhere without hearing madonna so even if even if you wanted to escape you probably couldn't so yeah she she's definitely one of the the top uh top stars to emerge in the 80s and uh, another big one I, I touched on was Michael Jackson, obviously had a career before with the Jackson Five and had started his solo career in the 70s, but obviously just broke through to a, a completely other stratospheric level with Thriller. Right. So um, were, were you much of a Michael Jackson guy?
1: I appreciated kind of some of the, I would say, later 80s stuff that he was in, that he was doing. Yeah, I was well aware of, you know, everything Michael Jackson was doing at the time, um, obviously, you know, with the advent, and we'll touch on this quite a bit, uh, what MTV and the video world did for music brought brought us much closer as fans to the music, but also painted a vastly different picture because, you know, that song performed live, you know, prior to the video clearly would have been vastly different than what we now anticipate as the entire zombie werewolf type thing <laughs> that they're coming right. with. So for thriller, I mean, you know, if we touch on that just briefly, um, Great song, great samples, and the video really brought that to life uh, more so than probably most videos that I can recall from that time frame.
0: Well, and and. It was almost viral marketing before there was such a thing as viral marketing because everybody heard about this video and the disclaimer at the start that, you know, Michael Jackson says he doesn't want to, you know, this video to indicate to anyone that he has any belief in the occult or things like that. So just there was so much around the video, so much hype leading into it that it was it was an event when it finally came out.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that that album, obviously one of the one of the best-selling albums of all time, and I I own that one on vinyl. I I do like Thriller. I like the song Thriller. I like uh Billie Jean, uh Beat It's on there too, a lot of his bigger yeah. hits, but actually my favorite song on the album is um Want to Be starting something. That's that's, that's, <laughs> that's Want
1: to Be Startin' Somethin'. Yes. Yeah. Startin
0: somethin'. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit of a guilty pleasure one, but I yeah. I do I that's I think that's my favorite one on the album. But, uh, yeah, obviously he was a huge presence uh, in the 80s, really embraced the MTV era and doing very cinema, uh, you know, almost like small movies with his videos. He was one of the first ones to have storytelling within the videos and not just be like, you know, the band or or the performer jumping around or or performing live on stage. It was there were actual stories uh, when you think of like Beat It and the whole gang culture. Uh, that was involved in that. Billie Jean is obviously a very striking video visually with the light up steps. I don't even remember that on the sidewalk. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. So, so really embraced and, and worked with directors. Obviously it was John Landis that he worked with for thriller, uh, who's known for American werewolf in London and other things. So yeah, he, he really, Michael Jackson really understood and embraced the MTV era and, and, it made him a star. Obviously the music itself was, was still right. really good, but boy, he really knew how to work the MTV vibe.
1: It, I mean that, that, the connection between kind of what you were saying before of, of how his um, ability to storytell and have the video back that, I mean, not like as we, as we well know, a lot of the stories that are told inside the, inside the videos, you know, may not correctly align in our minds, what we think the song to actually be, but I think they did a fantastic job uh, like you said working with you know um directors and producers and getting the storylines right up there. I mean it's you know, he would probably be one of the top, you know, performers of the eighties if we look at the video structure of it coupled with the music. He was right up there, you know, at the at the pinnacle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything tied together, the the record sales and Videos and, and concert sales, all that stuff was, was massive for him. And uh, I, I think the other, I think there are three that come to my mind when I think of the big stars of the 80s. And I don't know, maybe I'm off base with the third one, but I, I don't think so. But uh, to me, it's Prince would be uh, the third one. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, it still bums me out that he's gone now. Uh, such a huge talent. And I think, I think uh, he, he started to get his due later, but, but for a long time, I felt he was so underrated as a guitar player.
1: Oh, agreed. Absolutely. Fantastic guitar player. And to tie into that, I think even when, when was, the, was the first Batman film 89? Yes. Yep. Okay. So when he, well, obviously he was the soundtrack component of that. I was kind of blown away. At first I was a little unsure of, you know, Prince knowing what I knew of him, obviously doing a soundtrack role. And a lot of the videos that you know complement the, the that were in the film as well as outside of the film, music inspired by, were fantastic. And that one video that he did is like a tire, everything was segmented, it had Batman themes in it, Joker, dancing, women, everything was gone crazy. But I think that that was a real nice complement to a really good start of a, that franchise film. That was unique seeing a, a pop star of his caliber. In that role of, you know, producing and, you know, uh, running the album that backed the movie.
0: Yeah, it was a very interesting choice. Every, every there, That whole film, and we, I'm sure we'll get to the Batman film on its own at some point, but just to kind of go off on, on a little tangent with that, that whole film was a whole bunch of risks, really. People people lost their minds when Michael Keaton got uh, cast yeah. as Batman they didn't think tim burton was necessarily a good fit because i, I at that point what had he done beetlejuice uh peewee's yeah. big adventure just yeah. a handful just a you know a small sample of quirky movies that were hits right but it, it seemed an odd choice and then you throw prince in there doing the soundtrack and it's like where is this going right and then of course it was it was a huge movie mega hit yes <laughs> yeah so that, that was kind of an interesting dynamic um, yeah, so I want to touch on just kind of the big, uh, you know, what I felt were the big three pop stars of that, uh, eighties era, but, uh, we can certainly, I definitely want to dive deeper on some of our favorites, um, yeah. who, uh, why don't you pick one? Who, who, who do you, you want to start with the, you're wearing a t-shirt right now. What one of them do you want to start with them?
1: By the one and only band that brought me, uh, right out of the late seventies into the eighties, the police, I would say probably at the pinnacle because they, uh, they, they, hit their pinnacle 83 and by 84 they were gone. So seven, it was like 78, 77 ish is when they founded to 84 Melbourne, Australia was their final gig uh, on the first run before they did the reunions back in 07 through 09. But the police I'd say were pr- police and sting were probably hugely influential for me. Um, and it's funny because a lot of my musical tastes are er- very early on for the eighties Shifted not domestically. I mean, I definitely had some faves: Huey Lewis in the news. I did enjoy a lot of what Bruce Springsteen was doing, um, Van Halen domestically. But I shifted very quickly once I learned there was an entire world uh, abroad you know, coming from the UK and the new wave scene and everything. So I would throw just a couple names: early bands, you know, as you mentioned, Duran Duran, uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, Depeche Mode. So a lot of the synth pop, new wave stuff that I really connected with. Um, really launched me, but you know, speaking in terms of you know mega bands at the time, I'd say the police themselves probably were what I was listening to and you know, burning through cassettes on a regular basis.
0: So, yeah, and you you would put police the police in in new wave. I always wonder where that because I know there's kind of like the synth wave and new wave guys. Yeah.
1: Well, it's funny because they you know. There's a lot of debate as to where exactly they fell. I mean, they were genre shifting with each album, started off kind of in the punk era, then they had the reggae thing, punk reggae, white reggae, as they called it. And then they there was the pop albums. I'd I would say probably after Ghost of the Machine, there was what one other album called Synchronicity, and that one really catapulted them to a really different level altogether that, um, I would say kind of dominated the pop world. So they, from, from 83 to 84, you know, they had that, uh, they had that upper echelon rung kind of n- locked down.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm just looking at their discography here. It looks like kind of, uh, so Zenyata Mandata was, um, yep. 1980. Uh, and that, that I think is kind of the one they, I think they had had a little bit of radio play before, but it looks like yeah. just looking at the tracks. Yeah. yeah. This looks like the one that, that really, um, brought them over over here in the u.s with uh don't stand so close to me is is on there uh da do 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 da 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 -da is on there um so yeah definitely some good ones i think um i'm I'm trying to think on vinyl i have um i have which one has walking on the moon is that the first one um i think that's regatta de blanc okay so there's second album i have that that was 79 um, but I th- I think Synchronicity is probably my favorite of theirs when you go track for track because yeah. – uh, so Synchronicity itself I love. Synchronicity 2, the whole second side is amazing.
1: It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's amazing how the entire album ties itself together in a unique storyline even though there's not necessarily – like Synchronicity and Synchronicity 2 definitely connected. They, when they performed that in concert back in the 80s those two songs always segued in from one right into the other. So th- that was kind of a nice pairing the way they had that. But you know, the entire album itself is just, it still to this day still holds up in my book as one of the best, best albums ever released.
0: Yeah. I'll go over side two here in a sec, but I have to yeah. mention about synchronicity. I, I, you always get points for me if you can work in the Loch Ness monster. So um,
1: <laughs> we'll work on that.
0: <laughs> so they, so they uh, yeah, oh, which yeah. they do in synchronicity. Yes, so, they do. Um, uh, so, 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 uh, side two of that album is Every Breath You Take, which was yeah. huge. If uh, I'm I'm trying to think. So one thing that was super popular in the 80s, I don't know if you remember this, but like at the end of the year, mm-hmm. all the, the radio stations would do like the top 100 songs yes. of the year. And I feel like that one was either at the top or like two or three that year. It was, it was it,
1: probably within the top five, maybe even the top three at least based for based on radio play and popularity.
0: Yeah, that song was huge. Um, King of Pain, great song. My yeah. favorite on the album. I do love the synchronic, both synchronicities, but um, Raptor on Your Finger, I think, is probably my favorite one on there. Yeah, and uh, Tea in the Sahara didn't get radio play, but that's a great song.
1: Great song, and it's funny because a lot of the songs that he that came off that album did come out like they never played Miss Gredenko ever you know live and that's one one of my biggest pet peeves that you know they performed the bulkhead of the synchronicity album back in the 80s when they were doing the synchronicity tour the world tour but that song never made it um which is a fantastic song and it's definitely would have fit the mold of the gig but i think they it's you know again one of sting's reasonings for not including some songs and and, and including others that you know that mystery will probably never be solved unless uh you know they were to reunite someday and maybe play that again. But uh that's a that's a that's a tall order and a long wish for from today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just for um completeness sake, uh their other album released in the eighties uh was 1981's Ghost in the Machine, which yeah. had some big hits on it. Two Spirits in the Material World, great song. I love that song um every little thing she does is magic that's a little yeah. more, more poppy but still nope. a good uh still a good song and uh demolition man which i don't even i don't know if it necessarily got play then but it's certainly it's it's certainly uh i remember it later when the the movie came out when the like movie demolition. came
1: out yeah. and they redid that basically yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so um yeah obviously great um just some great output over a real short span of time there in the early yeah. '80s from from the police. And then, uh, since we're talking to police, um, I one of the one of the earliest cassettes I remember purchasing with my own money it was Sting's solo album, Dream of the Blue Turtles. Um, and I know I know you're a big Sting fan overall. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that album?
1: Ah, uh, to date, that probably is still his best album that he ever did. Uh, that's pretty amazing for a debut, in my opinion. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth with some additional, you know, nothing like the sun came out in 87. Uh, and I think the soul cages was 1990 or 91. So as a debut album, um, dream of the blue turtles kind of rode the wave of synchronicity in many ways that I think they, he took a lot of the elements of what was happening around the band at that time. And then he, Got away with and pulled off uh, the huge coup of mixing in, you know, the jazz influences, stuff where he initially, you know, as an early jazz bassist, you know, aligned himself with, uh, uh, I think it was what, uh, Brent, Brantford Marcellus on the, on, on uh, the sax. And a variety of other you know session musicians who ended up becoming the touring band that uh, ended up uh, doing the world tour, which was fantastic. So that album still holds up for me. Uh, Fortress around your heart is probably my favorite Sting song in the history of any Sting catalog piece uh, post Police.
0: That, yeah, that's a great song. There's a lot of there was a bunch of radio hits on there. If you love somebody, set them free. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Fortress around your heart. Uh, my favorite song on the album, and my favorite Sting. Uh, solo effort is uh, we work the black seam. Yeah. Just Great a, song. just a fantastic song. Super. it's, it's one of the things that I'm, um, you know, I, I don't want to say most proud of, but <laughs> a proud thing that I have uh, as far as raising my kids is that my, my two boys, we listen to, you know, I listen to vinyl, and and my my two boys do not listen to. They have no idea who Taylor Swift is. They they, I mean, they know who they are, but they don't they don't listen to anything Good. like that. They they know all these, uh, you know, classic classic rock, and I I just have I have a pretty eclectic collection, but um, but my older son Kaiden, one of his favorite songs is um, uh, we work the black seam,
1: right. so that's. Nice.
0: Yeah, so that's a it's such a good song, and it's a great album. Um,
1: good parenting going on over there, I think. That's <laughs>
0: we, a good thing. We play. try, it's not all, <laughs> all, not all wins, but at least, um, hopefully culturally, I'm doing culturally okay. culturally
1: influencing. That's perfect, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I, I knew you'd want to uh touch on uh the police and sting because I know that's uh big for you. So, I'll talk about probably my favorite group to come out of the 80s, and and I was a huge fan. So, so I, I've kind of done a split thing here. I'm gonna, I, I have. Uh, one artist who is among my favorite of all time in Ronnie James Dio and did two great albums with Black Fronting Black Sabbath and also had a great solo career in the 80s. I was not listening to him then. Um, so later when we do the year-by-year year breakdown, I'll talk a little more about the album. So, uh, so Dio, I'm a huge, huge fan, but my top group from when I was a kid and listening to it when it was current and still very much enjoy is Men at Work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. only only had three albums. The third album did not perform very well. Uh, the first two were huge, uh, Business As Usual yes. and Cargo, and Cargo uh, yep. were huge uh, records. Business As Usual won the Grammy for uh, Best New Artist uh, that year. I think it was 84. I'll, I'm looking at the discography here. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a lot of Wikipedia tonight, so I hope listeners <laughs> are patient with that. Business As Usual was 81. Um right yeah but again huge radio hits with um who can it be now which i think i think that was the first one uh down under obviously on there huge hit be good johnny was another one that uh got a lot of radio play um yeah who Can it be now still that's a fantastic open that that the the drums and then the sax kicks in the, the oh, first yeah, yeah. of that song and i know it's tough on a on a podcast to talk about music and not have the music but a there's licensing rights i think we can play like six seconds of it before we get in trouble uh the opening and closing songs notwithstanding please don't sue us and not only that but just the time it would take inserting all of them so apologies listener just if you if you if these are things that you don't know but you're interested in please seek them out but i'm, I'm guessing most people know if right. they're listening to this show they know a lot of these but yeah. um so yeah so uh obviously huge hits there and then uh i think cargo is a better album there were there were a number of um radio hits on there like it's a mistake dr heflin mr jive but not only my favorite minute work song but one of my favorite songs period probably in my top 10 of all time is overkill yes which is a, a just a great song and they had such a a nice sound because they had um Real good, solid uh, drums, guitar, all that stuff was good. Colin Hay, fantastic uh, vocalist. He's had a great solo career. I really enjoy his work. But uh, I think Greg Ham was really the backbone of Men at Work because he played flute, saxophone, I think there's clarinet on some songs. He played keyboard. He was just a hugely talented uh, musician and, and a major part of what makes that band work for me. Absolutely. Yeah, so I want want to mention them because, yeah, there's still one that uh, they hold up really well for me. Um, I still listen to them quite a bit. I have a a live uh, CD, uh, I think, in Brazil that's really good. Uh, And and they're another one of those, and you you touched on it a little bit with the police there. Um, They have a couple of songs that never got airplay and and a lot of people don't know that I think are uh, are really good. One of them is um, Down by the Sea off the uh off the first album which is a great song and then off cargo uh no sign of yesterday is right. a is a great song and those are ones that i wish more people knew about so yeah if you're not familiar with those listeners please do seek them out because they're they're really good songs uh, and just a just a band that i know you know were huge and they they were uh big pop stars and everything but i i think they maybe don't get enough credit for how good musically and technically they were
1: right agreed yeah absolutely and they you know they were one of the well handful of australian bands that were just coming out of the great island continent and you know along with nxs and midnight oil they all three were kind of leading a charge in their own respective areas and you know really made an impact musically much further away from you know from their borders so
0: yeah yeah for sure Um, moving on one that I I know that we both like so we can uh, talk about once you start us on uh, Duran Duran
1: Duran Duran oh uh, where do I start with this band Uh, (laughs) CD single collections uh, live recordings both legal and possibly unauthorized Um, trading rings uh, all sorts of things getting a a couple concert t-shirts vintage one having it get destroyed it's my life with Duran Duran uh, has been intertwined inexplicably. I, I think certainly, as the, as the case with most bands, uh, still around, still performing. You know, their catalogs are always going to be stronger uh, towards the early part of their career, early even to mid. But as you know, the last I couldn't even tell you the last couple albums that they put out. You know, I have lost touch with the Duran Duran but um you know things that tied it in for me early on you know uh, another band that really embraced um the video world and what MTV could do for them uh but also the, the fact that they you know they and another european band uh, scored uh the james bond soundtrack main theme so with a view to a kill for uh, duran duran and then aha's uh, the living Daylights," those two really uh embodied a lot for me because having you know loved the james bond series from my dad and then getting into it and then the music just tying in made fantastic things yeah that's an one amazing band that even to this day even despite their catalog being you know maybe not as popular as the early stuff they still put on a really good show
0: yeah that's there's someone i would like to see live i've never seen them live so yeah that's on the short list of ones i would like to see Um, Just take a look, I don't want to go deep on everybody's uh, discography, because I think we'll dive deeper when we do the year-by-year breakdown, but just, I I was curious what was on their original release, um, their their first album, uh, which was uh, self-titled.
1: Self-titled.
0: Yeah, Girls on Film uh, Mm -hmm. and Planet Earth are probably the two best-known ones, so kind of interesting. Definitely hits, but not ones but it, they it was their second album that really broke them through and that of course was mtv driven uh with rio right. um which was a huge huge album um hungry like the wolf i remember being on all the time um yeah rio uh yeah all kinds of stuff on there my my favorite duran duran song is on that album and it's uh save a prayer
1: great song yeah
0: th- i Love that song. It's it's a it's a really good song, and it's another one that I feel that that to me is kind of the measure of a good band. If I if I still like all their radio hits, even though they got played to death, right? Uh, But but then if like I have something a little bit deeper cut that's um, and that's not a super deep cut. I think a lot of people know that song, but still, it's not it's not one. If you ask a random person, hey, name you know Duran Duran song, that's probably not the first one they're gonna come up with. So yeah great uh, that's a great song and um uh that's rio's one i have on vinyl along with uh seven and the ragged tiger yes um, which is a really strong one i feel like that one maybe isn't as well known um but union of the snake that was boy that was that was a video i'll always remember new it.
1: moon on monday baby
0: new moon on monday's great song yes. yeah the reflex yeah there's the a, a lot of great that. songs on that one yeah but yeah, that Union and the Snake one was such a bizarre video, almost like a like a Mad Max type thing. I don't even yes. know what's going on, but I just remember they, they always had very striking uh yeah, videos. It's, they
1: it's funny you say that, the Mad Max thing, because if you look at uh Synchronicity Two, you know, to tie back into the police, their video was very much, you know, not quite dystopian, but very mad maxi, trashy run down buildings, strange outfits. Yeah. They both had that. I think they both took a page from something that was going on at the time and worked it, and it worked.
0: Yeah, yeah, they definitely, um, you know, that was a, a another band that really used MTV to its uh, its advantage. Uh, another big one uh, I know for you that we can touch on, they they were a little bit more towards, um, I don't know, I think they, their bigger success came towards the end of the 80s, but they were definitely putting out great music, and that's U2. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I know you are a, uh, a fan. So I was I was looking back at their discography because uh, I really, again, I, I was talking about Dream of the Blue Turtles being one of the uh, early cassettes that I remember purchasing myself, and um, Joshua Tree is another one that, yes. that falls in there, right. which um, I was trying to look and see. That one felt like it was more later. Was that 87? That was
1: 87,
0: yeah. It was, okay.
1: A- 85 was Unforgettable Fire. Um, and then prior to that I think was
0: War, which is that's where War. I I think that's my favorite album of theirs because there's uh again, there's a lot of underrated stuff on there. There's some really well known stuff on there. Uh New Year's Day is on there, um uh Sunday Bloody Sunday is on there, yep. uh and that's just off the top of my head, I haven't even looked at it yet. Uh Forty, which is a great song from Psalm yep. using Psalm forty, that's a great one. Uh yep. um yeah a lot of a lot of great ones seconds i love seconds seconds great song yeah.
1: it's funny because a lot a lot of um they you know early on had two mini well they had the live at red rocks album which i think uh, still technically it might be available on dvd now but the actual release of it i think on both sides of that album you would get the entire performance as i recall so They had live at Red Rocks, which was kind of an amended performance. They didn't have all the tracks included, but then they also had the little mini wide awake in America EP, which kind of included some you know post war right around Unforgettable Fire into you know, Joshua Tree era. So there were some definitely good, some mini tracks on there as well.
0: Gotcha, yeah, and and very few albums bigger in the 80s than the Joshua Tree as far as uh sales right. and and just popularity and exposure that really broke them through obviously some major hits on there where the streets have no names to let me found what I'm looking for um uh but again my my favorite song on there not one of the ones you hear very often on the radio but you take a guess which one do you think's my favorite on there um one tree hill nope. give me
1: three guesses one tree hill um
0: Nope, but that's a good guess. That's a great song.
1: Um, oh my, One Tree Hill. Da, 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 da. I'm just going down memory lane here. Silver and gold. No, that yeah. was on. That was on. Uh, that was on. Um, the the other live album, which they put out after the Joshua Tree.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want me to run down the tracks for you? Yes. All right. Where the streets have no name. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. With or without you. Bullet the blue sky. Running to stand still. Red Hill mining town in God's country. Trip through your wires. One tree hill exit and mothers of the disappeared.
1: In God's country. Incorrect. One more. Okay, guess. well, oh, for two. One more. Um. <laughs>
0: uh
1: no, okay, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna do the
0: lifeline. Ian,
1: <laughs> it's your turn. Tell me, man.
0: Bullet the blue sky.
1: Okay, yeah, that's a rugged track. That is. It yeah. is, and
0: it's, it's, it's. In a lot of ways, it's, it's a very un-U2 like song. It, it does yeah. a lot of things they don't do in other songs, but, it, but I just, I really like it. And it's a good storytelling yeah. song, which they, they have a lot of those. But um... yeah,
1: no, Edge's guitar work, and that was incredible. It's just very. You it's know,
0: harder. It's harder than they do. Way harder,
1: way heavier than what we were accustomed to. I mean, there was the political side of them early on in the first couple of albums, and then not to say that they lost their their touch with the politics, but they definitely had. You know, the music came off heavier, maybe as in addition to some of the content that they were you know singing about at the time as well.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh so obviously they're another big one. Um uh I had a couple that I wanted to to mention just to get in there because um uh if I didn't mention Cindy Lopper, my wife would be sad, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: so I'm glad a ritual, though, is a
0: that's a great album. That like I have that on vinyl. Yeah. And one of the great things about collecting vinyl is if you take the time to do it, and obviously you can do this with digital and CD, it's not exclusive to vinyl, but with me, what I like to do is just put a record on and let it run, and mm-hmm. you get those deeper tracks that didn't get radio play, um, right. and you realize that uh, uh, She's So Unusual, that Cindy Lauper debut album, obviously, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, huge hit. There's some yeah. great songs on there. Um, Money Changes Everything, great song.
1: Yeah, another great song. Yeah,
0: there's and of course um, time after time, which is probably my wife's favorite song of all time, and it's just it's just a beautiful song.
1: And it's a perfect song. Yeah, I I, actually there's a band to tie this in from the '90s, um, a punk band from the UK called Hootin' Three Car, and they do a fantastic version, uh, cover version, punk style, sped up as you can imagine, and they do it justice, which is good
0: that's awesome yeah that's such a good song uh so i want to mention them and another band that i was i was really big into then and then again going back collecting the vinyl and listening deeper actually got a greater appreciation and that's a uh, culture club
1: yeah one of my first cassettes color by numbers and yeah, that that's kind a great of way to kind of open the doorway to me to uh, getting a sense of who are these guys? What is Boy George about? What is this band about? They've got a you know a great sound, a mixture of, you know, good pop music, good keyboards, f- fantastic vocals and just a tight structure. And uh, they yeah, they they've well I one of the few bands from the eighties that I able was able to get to see in the early nineties, which was you know, and that was a, a wonderful performance as well.
0: Yeah, I would have loved to have seen them. My uh, my favorite from them is uh, "Do You Really Want to Hurt Me."
1: Yeah, great track.
0: Yeah, it has that great kind of. I guess I guess it's keyboard in the middle of the. That that like that middle section is, is yes. really, it's really strong. It's, and it's um, great vocals from, I think that's Boy George probably at the top of his game on, yeah. on that one. Just a really nice, um, nice uh, vocal, not like overdoing it. It's very subtle, but really, right. really well done. That's, I that's one of my favorite songs from them and probably out of the eighties too. I just, I really love that song.
1: Yeah. And that, that would be one man. I think if you uh, in a top 10, list of 80s in the pop realm probably the average person who's in the musical know would probably say culture club falls somewhere in that spectrum of those top 10
0: yeah yeah for sure um those are the ones i want to talk about kind of as the main one we'll get into like hip-hop and stuff like that but who else uh did you want to make sure we mention
1: ah well let's we can't omit information societies right in the dead center of 1987 uh their album was just way ahead of its time uh you know obviously i know we um we have they disappeared way much faster than i think anyone anticipated in life they all went in different directions uh technology some carried on in the music world they came back together but you know um uh, their first album is probably i rate that up there as uh, way ahead of its time for the 80s and it still holds up even listening to it now the production the vocals just uh, a fantastic album
0: yeah, that's a that's a good recommendation for people because I think I think people think of um, uh, pure energy and uh, that's yeah and, th- and that might be it and that would be unfortunate because because you're right they they did they had some really good stuff but so yeah that's a that's definitely a recommendation for a deeper dive is uh, information society. Uh, yeah. Good pull there. Um, yeah. Who else, who else? I know you're a little more, you, you got a little more into like in, in later years, I've really started to appreciate like, uh, the Smiths and cure and, um, uh, you mentioned echo and the bunny men. So you were, you were, I'm not sure about then, but I know you definitely have a greater appreciation for those than I did at the time.
1: I mean, I expanded, I mean, to, to get a sense of how I was getting guided, um, pre-MTV days uh, or right around the cusp of MTV days, we had uh, in our Mr. Paperback in Skowhegan, we actually had a couple of magazines that caught my eye. Uh, they were more geared towards, it looks like in retrospect, m- more towards girls, that young girls, but
0: it was called... a Tiger, Tiger Beat?
1: Tiger Beat Impulse. <laughs> Okay.
0: it was oh, I, would, I was I would, kidding
1: no, no no absolutely and i i would you know i would be looking at the kung fu magazines and the karate magazines and then next door would be the music magazines like oh there's rolling stone and 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 then what are these other ones and that's how i learned very quickly about who are these cool people in you know gothic you know the cure i saw robert smith i saw morrissey i that's how i learned about um Echo and the Bunny they would have they wouldn't have large segments in those magazines but they would be just enough to be like who are these cool guys and what is what is this music and obviously we were way, way pre-internet so there I am you know working uh, mowing lawns to try to give, get enough money to go ahead and and buy cassettes on gambles and they almost always <laughs> paid off you know from everything like I said from the smiths cure echo and the bunny man even Depeche Mode thrown in there a lot of it was learned based on just seeing a picture of them and have a few lines beneath them uh, in a magazine.
0: Um, well yeah you I mean it really was a, a we didn't have the you know the, the internet to, a, right. and all these other things to kind of inundate us with new music right. and things like that. you had to like you said you had to roll the dice with sometimes yeah. just based on an on a album cover.
1: <laughs> right. And a lot of times radio uh, or print would showcase a band of who's coming and what's up next. But the radio was hasn't hadn't caught up to that point. Weren't playing their music, so it was a complete risk. But I, I would say almost 100 percent of the time, that risk gamble worked out because the bands, whoever was was doing the layout, the artwork, had some really good eye-catching stuff enough to bring me in. And say, hey, check this out, and you end up your mind gets you know gets blown very early on as to this whole alternative genre that was kind of formulating, you know, in the early to mid-80s, and then it, obviously the late 80s It just burst open, you know, opening the doorway for what became the 90s.
0: Yeah, uh, speaking of what, I, I was just thinking about, like, uh, whether it was their look or, or what it was, but one of my favorite um, uh, bands then uh, and now, actually, on on vinyl, is one that I really like to, um, to listen to that had kind of a striking look was uh, Thompson Twins.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's another, I think we might have to separate that down at some point the you know top 10 bands of the 80s from the UK top 10 from the US uh, Thompson Twins another phenomenal uh, trio as it was with touring musicians <laughs> um, but yeah I I have a modern day mega mix on uh, that I've created on a flash drive that I take with me in my car and there's about four to five you know Thompson Twin tracks strewn throughout the modern times as well as the 80s so yeah that would be another band i would rate right up there in, in the top 10 um exports of really good um alternative early new wave synth pop music
0: yeah i want to talk about thompson twins but i i'm shocked to learn that you have a car i believe that you just bicycle everywhere
1: yeah, um, it's leased, so I don't quite <laughs> have a car, so I, I have to keep that. Uh, I have to keep that that rule in place. That don't want to own too many big things in my life. So <laughs> gotcha,
0: gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you. What, what do you have? Like twenty bicycles around your apartment?
1: I'm actually looking at four of them right now, but yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and they're in my kitchen. So. <laughs> uh.
0: So Thompson twins. Yeah. Um yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Great uh stuff you had on them, and uh, Into the Gap I think is a is a yeah. fantastic album. Every track on there is really good.
1: And it's funny because if you look at you know bands comparatively uh, of today's time, what's what's what are considered modern popular bands considered to what you know we we're growing up with? You know, even tying them back in synchronicity. You know, there may have been the uh, occasional obscure track that's thrown into the mix. But if you look at synchronously and Into the Gap, how many major songs all came off those albums that people can ramble off very quickly versus if you mention a modern band, you know, the 1975, I don't know who they are, what their music's about, and all I know is there's one song on the radio currently. So, you know, those albums back then were just jam-packed with quality. And I don't want to say quality has shifted in many ways, but I really think, you know, the 80s embody just this expansive movement beyond everyone's borders and that's what like we're going to talk about a little bit how other genres just sprouted up in and amongst these other major scenes that were happening so i you know i I, the 80s to me uh, completely you know defined musically what i listen to today for the most part there's a lot of guidance there there's a lot of links back if you follow the trail that you know the the money trail back to bands who were influenced by 80s bands you'll find a lot of that stuff that i was listening to now having influenced what is what is still current more so in the 90s not necessarily today but yeah it's the thompson twins oh, i could go on for them for years <laughs>
0: uh so uh we will talk about some of the other genres but um why don't we maybe and again if anything pops into your head we're totally okay to to diverge but uh we've talked a bit about mtv uh and its influence with videos and things like that so let's maybe dive a little deeper into that it um so many bands became who they were because of their ability to use mtv and and some acts from that were popular in the seventies or even the sixties fell off because they didn't know how to, to, to adapt and deal with this new culture. Um, and something I want to mention real quick, uh, we should mention the, just a few days ago, the passing of, uh, Rick Ocasek from the cars, uh, the cars, obviously, um, their debut album, I think it was late seventies, uh, fantastic debut album, but they, were a band that was able to make it work in the yeah. in the MTV era because they had uh the the you might think video everybody yeah. remembers that video cuz yeah. it was just so bizarre right. But they they got it they were able yeah. to transition and keep themselves yeah. relevant so right. uh yeah so yeah un- unfortunate to hear of his passing but uh yeah the cars were uh, one of those that was able to keep it no no pun intended keep it going uh, <laughs> in the uh in the <laughs> 80s with the MTV era so um I, so Brad lived in the big city of Skowhegan. I <laughs> I lived in one of the smaller uh, outer <laughs> areas in Smithfield. Let's
1: define for our, our listeners, uh, big city was about <laughs> between nine and maybe 10,500 people at the time, <laughs> and that was back in the 80s, so it's, 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 I think it's gotten smaller since.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, my town uh, of Smithfield, Maine, had about 800 people. So okay, um,
1: we had to be yeah. there. So <laughs> yeah,
0: um, but I did not have cable TV until I was, boy, maybe seventh grade. Uh, so it was it, it was, a yeah. So you know, finally getting cable and having MTV was such an eye opener. But um, yeah. I I just remember so many things that were influenced, and the videos were everywhere anyway. Like I don't know if you remember, but but so we had um, in Maine we did have. You know, we sound like such old timers, but but that, that's what this show's right. about—is the nostalgia aspect. But right. we had, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC. We had two of each in Maine that we could get on the antenna, right. uh, and then PBS, of course. Right. And I think it was Channel Seven out of Bangor, maybe out of Portland. I can't remember where they were. But Saturday night, like after mm. Saturday Night Live was over at 1 a.m. Yep. Do you I know, know what I'm is. talking? Yes. Yeah. Yep. All hit videos. Yeah. <laughs> it was all it was like hit an, videos. Yeah. It was like an hour, hour and a half of um yeah. Videos, so so we were still able to see them, even though we didn't have MTV. There were still right. outlets to to see them. But I remember, I remember recording that every yeah yeah every weekend, and I would actually on my on my tape in my VHS tape, I would put a little note, little piece of notepaper inside, and I would write down what videos were on each episode. Right, and yep. and I always remember. I don't know why they did this, but they ended every week with "Rocket" by Herbie Hancock. I don't know. Yes. if doot doot. <laughs> Uh, Which, again, that was a bizarre video. I don't know if you remember that animatronic, like robots and puppets. That was some weird shit going on. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, so we were still able to see the videos. Um, One of the things I want to talk about, too, was kind of the, the way that the videos and the musicians, and I think it all kind of fed it all fed each other you know what i mean it was a symbiotic thing i think it it uh was the fashion like it i think stuff one you know they were trying to one-up each other or whatever it was but but super fashion trends duran duran comes to mind with their their pastel colors and um things like that or um you know obviously cindy Lauper. um there's, there's actually a funny reference to it in uh to pat benatar in um fast times Ridgemont high where there's, there's like a bunch of, they're talking a couple of girls are talking. There's like, is it, is she the one dressed like Pat Benatar? And it's, there's like four of them. (laughs) It's like Pat Benatar.
1: Great. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's another, I love, I love Pat Benatar. (laughs) Um, but yeah, just the the fashion stuff. I mean, I was I was very much a Goodwill shop kid, mm. um, so I I didn't necessarily have the coolest clothes all the time. But um, so I, I you know, influence wise, there wasn't much going on there for me. But were you? I'm trying to think. You were you well, always? We I think you were this. preppy, I, if I remember correctly. You you yes. were always well dressed.
1: Well dressed. Um, but then when the music started to t- take hold of my life. That's when I wanted desperately to get parachute pants because that would get me as close to uh, some of what I was seeing in the videos. Not quite gothy, but just enough with the zippers. And also, you know, the the hair thing. You know, having seen what all these rockers were doing on MTV and on, you know, from like the images that we would see in magazines. You know, I'm not going to lie. I uh, read an article about... Sting the police dyeing their hair bleach blonde, and what did I do? I dyed my hair bleach blonde <laughs> with actual bleach, not stuff that you get in <laughs> a hairstylist. I burned my hair, I burned my scalp, and I fused my hair together, which is still... Uh, a talking point of how I even made it this far in life, but yeah, yeah, it just goes to show. Don't believe everything you read because yeah, bleaching uh, your hair is not typically what you should do with real bleach that you use to clean floors with. So, <laughs> lesson learned.
0: <laughs> wow, so we're we're informative.
1: Tonight. Yeah, we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, the the one hit wonder thing too. I think uh, MTV played a huge role in because. You had easy access to listeners by you know things being on rotation, and then that fed into the radio play and stuff. But and then there were a lot of these that just couldn't sustain it with a, a second hit. And uh, so maybe now is a good time for us to take the quiz. You wanna you wanna take take my quiz that I've put together?
1: Here we go, and then let's, <laughs> let's see how this works out. Let's be go. Wonderfully amazing, or totally <laughs> wrong.
0: I think it'll be fun. So, Let's I'm going to give it. you the artist, and you give me the one hit wonder they are known for. Oh, my.
1: All right. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes, right.
0: please. First one Gary Newman. Cars. Yeah, you got it. One for one. All right. Uh, Tommy Two Tone.
1: Eight, six, seven,
0: five. Yeah, you got it. Eight for two. Yep. All right. Yep. Just,
1: so, yep. just so everyone knows, I have nothing on my screen but his <laughs> face. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah, not no, I'm, wa- I'm watching Brad. He's, yeah,
0: he's, his, his eyes are clenched shut in concentration. I don't believe he's written the answers on the inside of his eyelids.
1: Not uh, possible. I yeah. am, I am. All right, two for two, baby.
0: All right, Soft sell.
1: Tainted Love.
0: Yeah, all right. Which
1: was backed with another song which segued in that they played live, um, and it eludes me, but fantastic song.
0: Yeah, it's a great song, and, and it's one everybody knows, too. Yes. And And I should also point out, one-hit wonder. These are ones that are, this is what they're considered. It by no means disparages right. them because a lot of these bands had great work that just, right. for whatever reason, everybody doesn't know. They just know right. the the one hit. Right. Um, so you're three for three so far. I think Here you'll go. get this one. I think you'll get this one. Tony Basil. Okay. Mickey. Yeah, you got it. All right. Uh, next one, I think, I think you got this one. Modern English.
1: Melt With You.
0: Yeah! Five for five.
1: Okay.
0: All right. Bow Wow Wow.
1: I want candy.
0: Yes, you're you're crushing it. All right. Kaja Goo Goo.
1: Too Shy, and, well, it was Lamal, a little side uh, effect, the theme song to the Never Ending Story. Really?
0: Yeah. That's cool. All right. Uh, Animotion.
1: You're my obsession or obsession?
0: Okay. Crushing it. All right. Next couple are easy. Nana. I'm
1: sorry? Oh, Oh, ninety-nine Luft balloons or ninety-nine Red Balloons?
0: Yep. Uh, Men without hats.
1: Uh, the safety dance.
0: Yes. Uh, Rockwell. Oh.
1: Uh... Oh. Uh, um. I can sing the lyrics. Um, we will accept. Somebody's it. watching me.
0: Yes. Got it. With Michael Jackson singing. With Michael Jackson,
1: who money watching me? There <laughs> we go.
0: Yeah. So you. Yeah. You're crushing this. Eddie okay. Grant. Eddie Grant.
1: Oh Eddie Grant, I had his uh, vinyl um, Electric Avenue.
0: Yes, uh, the Vapors.
1: Turning Japanese.
0: Got it. I got one more. Okay. This, one, this one's an easy one. I think you get this one. The Weather Girls.
1: Oh my God, the
0: Weather Girls.
1: Really, really, I.
0: Eyes into the song. <sighs>
1: I. You've got me.
0: Oh, I don't know that one. When I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah.
1: I'm, right. I'm going to probably, like, lay a golden egg. Okay. <laughs> Hit it's,
0: me. It's raining men.
1: <laughs> oh, all right. Interesting.
0: That was a tough one. That was a tough one to close. That you was did, tough. Did, you did quite, well, though. quite well.
1: And I'm going to – actually, we'll, we'll chalk up, uh, as we talked about moments earlier, that I leased my car. Uh, when I got my lease, I had Sirius XM uh, radio, so my, a lot of the foundational knowledge that I came back into – over the last couple of years, uh, was thanks to first wave, uh, oh. and, and getting a lot of bands that I had lost touch with back on, on the forefront of my listening habits. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was, that was good. Yeah. And, and great songs. Those are all great songs. Oh,
1: good songs. That's
0: why they were hits. And that's why I, most of those I still really like one of my favorites on Pandora is just like eighties, like hits and yeah. Um, it, yeah. Stuff just runs through and it's, you're always like, ah, oh, it's a great song. Um, so, uh, I do want to talk about the the emergence of um, of hip-hop and stuff like yeah. that. One, one thing I wanted to mention, too, that uh, I'm not going to touch on here, but I'm a huge fan of Rush. Uh, mm-hmm. They obviously had a, a lot of great production in the 80s, so that's something I'll save for, I'll get a little deeper on when we do the year-by-year breakdown, because they they put out so many albums in the 80s, I'll be able to go a little deeper with them. So, yes, yeah, um, so, yeah, so hip-hop, uh, by the way, I would highly recommend on Netflix – hip-hop evolution uh which is a uh, a documentary series they're about 45 minutes to an hour each uh i think there's only four episodes per season and they're on the third season incredibly well done fascinating all kinds of stuff that i did not know i do i'm not up on current hip-hop but i like classic um uh, you know, especially through the 80s and and 90s, I listened to uh, a lot of rap and hip hop, a lot of stuff I did not know, and it's really well done. It's uh, done by a filmmaker named Sam Dunn, who did uh, the history of uh, heavy metal, which I really enjoyed. I am a metal fan, so I, so I like that. But I'm really loving Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. I would highly recommend it. It's very well done. Um, so yeah, hip hop obviously born in the 70s, but really again, MTV helped really push through some of these uh acts um in the 80s and so you know you you talk about groups really coming to prominence and and individual rappers coming to prominence in the 80s um uh chief among them for and this is kind of an interesting thing too it, the beastie boys were huge obviously yep. and started to get mainstream radio play i remember hearing fight for your right yes. on the regular stations right um so it's one of those things where it's unfortunate in some ways that it had to be a white group from Brooklyn that broke through with uh, something that was born in the inner cities, um, you know, in in New York. But at the same time, it would be different if it was like Vanilla Ice who broke through rap yeah. the mainstream. The Beasties were and are considered excellent artists and excellent rappers and ex just their whole uh, musicianship their the right. sound everything they did is very well respected so that's at least that's that's the good part of that um right. of them being the yeah. kind of breakthrough and looking at it from a positive standpoint too it opened it certainly opened my eyes to so many more uh hip hop and and rap groups that I maybe would not have checked out otherwise. So, so that was definitely good. Uh, Run DMC was obviously a huge one. Their crossover with um, Aerosmith was, was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I have, I have two that I really want to talk about, um, but I I just wondered what your uh, hip hop experience was in the eighties. Were you listening to, to any of hip hop or was that something you came to later?
1: I'll be honest. You know, my love of hip hop actually came much later than that I think it was partially spurned on having seen some stuff on MTV early on. Uh, I think, you know, definitely the run run DMC. Um, I had that the, their I think it was their first album on cassette. Um, LL Cool J. I was very familiar with Grandmaster Flash. So there's quite a bit of that. Eric being Rakeem, the early stuff I was uh, accustomed to, but you know, I, my fondness and appreciation came much later you know, because I was definitely focused and deep in this stuff that was pouring into the 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 U.S. from abroad. Um, but I would say the Beastie Boy, you know, Paul's Boutique and everything. I that definitely, you know, MTV bolstered with the videos and the kind of the kind of the mayhem they caused on screen on video definitely helped uh, m- my appreciation of that. You know, hip-hop was always kind of running parallel, but I just didn't quite grab onto it until, I'd say, probably in the 90s when I started to see hip-hop infusion going in other directions, which just kind of blew my mind. So,
0: Yeah, and uh, (laughs) and speaking of one-hit wonders, uh, a a popular activity—I don't know how much you partook, Brad—but a popular activity at some points through our high school career would be on a Saturday night to go to Champion's in waterville and dance <laughs> uh so yeah yeah so was many 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 a saturday night was spent there um but again uh a lot of great because it was you know a lot of good dance music there was a lot of hip-hop hip-hop stuff that was played there including right. one of my all-time favorites that i always request at every wedding i go to and that's okay. it takes two <laughs> by rob bass and dj is, Rock. yeah i still know every line to that song
1: I won't I won't test you because I'm gonna believe you <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's a that's a, that's a favorite but um yeah so it, it was it was great too getting MTV because they had yo MTV raps on in the afternoon and that really opened my eyes to I I to the political nature of rap and I was a huge and still am huge public enemy fan
1: absolutely After- one of my If I have to look at it of any bands that I have, Public Enemy is probably the fullest discography I have in the hip-hop realm. So, agreed.
0: Yeah, and uh, just because of the the message and their political nature and, you know, being a a white kid growing up in in the woods of Maine, Mm -hmm. not really knowing and, and seeing things that the black community was dealing with on a, on a daily basis really right. opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, uh, uh, so yeah, huge fan of public enemy. Um, really those, uh, those albums there in the late eighties takes a nation of millions to hold us back fear of a black planet right. were I wore those cassettes out. I absolutely love them still really, really like that music and the message. Some stuff doesn't hold up as well. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of stuff does. Fight the Power right. certainly still carries yes. the same weight today uh, that it did then, and uh, yeah. So I, I just really like them, and I uh, I also listen to a lot of NWA. That uh, that's a little tougher to listen to now because yeah. it's, it's it's so misogynist and and yeah. violent and, uh, but at the time you know huge huge album had that one on cassette you know right. out. But, uh, yeah, but again, the political message from Public Enemy led me to other things, led me to KRS-One, you know, um, you know, uh, other artists like that. So, uh, just, it was, it was a great time musically to have your horizons expanded. And uh, if you were willing to, and um, I just remember, I remember one of our friends, um, you know, I pulled up to her house and I'm like blaring Public Enemy and, and <laughs> shut the car off and she's like, you know, the rest of the neighborhood doesn't want to listen to your music. And and then later, a few years later, like probably around college, she came back to me and she was like, she was like, I was wrong about Public Enemy. And I was, I was, like, I was like, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so I don't know if there were any other hip hop or, or rap. No, uh,
1: I, w- or I would producers. say probably, I mean, you know, Public Enemy really was is is still a pinnacle. you know, I know they they have a few uh, lineup uh, changes and so forth, but they've they've they still have you know fared the test of time with their what what they're about, what their message is. you know, such so flavor flavor, Chuck D is just like this really good synergy. And I like the fact, I mean, there are a lot of bands that were in the 90 s, you know, that were in the kind of the dance crossover movement. Um, that cited Public Enemy as the sample kings. They were doing sampling live before anyone else was to the degree where it would be a familiar sample, but you wouldn't exactly necessarily know where it came from. So they definitely have influenced people far and wide, you know, in genres well beyond, you know, their rap and, and hip-hop, uh, you know, foundations.
0: Absolutely. Uh, one of the other uh, things that I want to touch on just real quick, because I know it's not uh, an area that you have as much experience with, but um, it kind of started in the late 70s, but but very much carried over into the 80s. And that's what's called a, uh, the new wave of British heavy metal. And the two at the top of the list are Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. Mm. Very different. Uh, priest getting airplay with uh, You Got Another Thing Coming, right. um, Living After Midnight, you know, songs that that people know. Maiden no Nothing. uh radio right. play but one of the biggest bands in the world yeah like sell out the 120,000 you know seat stadiums in brazil and you know yeah. two or three nights on a, on a tour
1: no less so yes it's like... i
0: saw them just last month i saw them in, <laughs> nice. in boston so uh yeah so i wanted to at least touch on that um and again when we go deeper into the the year by year breakdown i'll, I'll talk a little bit more about uh them um right. and of course hair metal was was big in the 80s um you know with uh uh you know the the deaf leopards and the, the motley crew and poison and stuff like that a lot of them i think a lot of them haven't stood the test of time well i think they were very manufactured type of hair metal and um uh, like I look at, uh, like one that I think is not held up well at all is Poison. They, uh, I, a lot of their stuff looking back now is, is kind of crap, <laughs> but, yeah, um, no, agree. And, yeah. and they may have even been the one that started the, uh, the bat, the power ballad thing too, which everybody got on board with. And that, that got old pretty fast, but, uh, spinning out of that in the later, it was 87, uh, appetite for destruction by guns and roses, Yeah, which was obviously a massive record and, yep. um you know one that I I again had that cassette and wore it out um and uh you know obviously it had huge hits on there but again the deeper cuts were were really good um you know my Michelle is a, is one of my favorites from that album and doesn't right. get airplay um so yeah definitely wanted to make sure we uh we mentioned them and then the the other thing that's kind of cool and some these these a lot of these guys were able to do it because of MTV they they were able to keep it going with um Videos that that connected with people without being like crazy, you know, over the top um, type of videos, but were more straightforward and just kind of kept doing their things. But a few a few of the rock ones that I wanted to mention were Springsteen, who's sure. he was just trucking along doing what he did, right. and again having you know videos that weren't anything major, but but mm. were keeping him in the public eye and selling records. John Kruger Mellencamp. Um, yes. You know, had some great albums through then, and and understood the uh, the MTV crowd. Right. Uh, ac kept making the same record over and over, as they joke. You know, but but yes. again, everyone loves ac I love AC/DC. I've right. seen them in concert a few times. And um, Aerosmith uh, really uh, adapted well. Although Aerosmith, Aerosmith is one of those bands for me that has a massive delineation between where I love them and hate them. And yeah i think it's because of mtv that i started to hate them because though like um love in an elevator Mm -hmm. ragdoll those songs were so many songs from that album and those couple of albums in that era when we were like you know junior senior high, were overplayed and i I, if i never hear them again i'd I'd i
1: used to be able to know the entire track listing of permanent vacation so uh (laughs) yeah
0: yeah. so but they kind of just kept trucking along um you know, through, through the eighties. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I think that's about it for what I had to talk about, but, um, are there any other artists you want to talk about or just
1: briefly? I mean, Huey Lewis, the news as another major U S player was a band that, you know, if you look at my music collection today, even so through the cycles that it has gone through over the years, you know, I've always loved Huey Lewis. He doesn't quite fit in with anything that I listen to. You wouldn't, Necessarily have his music or their music for that matter seated beside anything that I have, but they certainly um, were fantastic, yeah. And they have just had a solid catalog all the way through their performance. You know, they've had obviously, like most bands from that time frame, many lineup changes, but a lot of the core key players are still in the band. Um, Hugh Lewis, yes. Um, and another kind of ki- which we didn't really touch on was the kind of the reggae obviously we, we, mentioned oh, very, sure, we mentioned very briefly you know the police is kind of you know tinkering with that sound but for uh, a band for me that is really important that I still listen to today is UB40 that they that was oh, a band yeah. that definitely embrace was really good um uh solid performance wise now in 2019 there are two UB40s and that's a, a dilemma <laughs> for people uh one contains um uh Ali Campbell and then one contains Robin Campbell and the other members of the band so
0: they, uh, they didn't I'm, have to be the, oh, each called UB20. Uh,
1: you one would think that would be the case.
0: That's still just uh, as confusing. But
1: but, the, but they're but they're pulling an oasis move and doing their own thing and apparently doing pretty well at it. But yeah, the my my. Or one,
0: update, they could update the like age-wise and do like we be 60 or something like that.
1: That's gonna come. You know, it's gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. Here. No, that, that's the one. The the one show that I regret as a UB-9 was UB40 playing at Colby College. Oh, yeah. And I won't name names, but there were people uh, that knew I wanted to go, had the means to bring me, and it didn't happen. <laughs> so we'll, we will keep those people safe. Uh, in it, wasn't me.
0: it wasn't me. I didn't have a car. It wasn't it you, wasn't no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, definitely UB40 is one of those unique entities that – you know, a love of uh, reggae music, you know, Caribbean style music, but with their own flair and just unique style. And they, another band, you know, that had solid hits pretty much throughout the eighties, you know, one of them being a cover version, but still red, red wine um, sure. is people w- can say that would be the first song I think about when I think of you '40s. 40. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And real quick, just to touch on Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, I think, I think people forget how huge that band was for for a, a, you know a couple of years. Yeah, um, that sports album, everybody had that.
1: Everybody Everyone was. had that, absolutely. And then again, same situation. They they had a couple tracks on the you know Back to the Future soundtrack, Power of Love, and Back in Time, and those two s- tracks basically thrust them further forward to then be able to be more kind of household names. And I think uh, more people realize the power that they were going to have very quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Speaking of concert stuff, we should maybe talk about concerts a little bit here because you mentioned missing out on UB40. My... Very first concert I went to, I've been to a lot of concerts. Um, I just to give people an idea, I think I went to last year alone, I didn't go to as many this year, I've been to a few this year. Last year alone, I think I went to eight concerts. Um, and not just like oh, you know, out at a club, somebody's playing like major venue concerts, right? Um, so I go to a lot of concerts, I've seen a lot of bands. Uh, my first concert uh is a bit embarrassing uh but i i do own up to it it was at uh the ballpark at old orchard beach uh, in maine where um yeah they uh they they had uh, a lot of shows there i think they still do uh but my first show was millie Vanilli.
1: oh my wow look at you (laughs) a band that was made and broken very quickly and you can see the
0: Get to see it, them perform it, it, live. In, in, yes, 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 yes. Wink, wink. Live. Yes. In my defense, everybody had that album,
1: <laughs> and I actually went back years later and bought multiple copies of the CD, thinking that it was going to be hold on to. And I still have, probably have uh, a copy somewhere amongst my collection. So, yeah, it's a good album. On um, let's let's be realistic yeah. here. It's yeah, a good blame album. it on the rain.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. And and I always I always uh try and defend myself by saying again, I was huge into hip hop, which I we already talked about. Yeah. Opening for them on that was Young MC, who nice. was bust a move, who was yeah. who was very popular at the time. So I am always like, Oh, I was there to see Young MC. Right. It's <laughs> but I totally knew all the words to them.
1: Deflect, <laughs> deflect. Yeah. Take, I was here for the opener. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll stick around, <laughs> but whatever. Um,
1: do you want do you want to take a guess what my first concert was?
0: Oh, boy. Uh, give me the year. Can you give me the year?
1: Uh, it was 1980. I think it was 89 or 1990. And I'll give you a couple more hints. It was in Maine. It was at USM. USM. Uh, the band. Um. choice? I'll, no. Not, not, not a bad choice. Uh, the band's from the UK. Um. And the tour they were on if this helps, brings it closer, was UK Jive was the tour and the album that they were touring on. Mm-hmm. And I'll give Something you... That we n- have not mentioned tonight? That we have not mentioned tonight. I'll give you Wait. two more hints. It's a British band and they have two brothers in them. Oh the lead And the lead, the, the lead singer has had a successful career outside this band, but the um uh, together as a band themselves and i believe they're coming out with a new album either the end of this year or early
0: next i i don't know the brothers thing is throwing me off but that um that reminded me of an album and a group that we need to talk about but i'll try i I don't yep. know um i give the up kinks. On it. oh the kinks. kinks oh of course
1: ray of davies course. And i think dave davies yeah Davies. yep
0: yeah yeah, and, and it's funny because they're obviously a band that that started out uh, much earlier, but yes. we're still having
1: sixties in the yeah. seventies and eighties. Yeah, they were still that's doing advancing. well. Yeah, it was, a, it
0: was a bit. Um, Oh, so the the band that it reminded me of that we didn't talk about that I know you love and I love uh, is Tears for Fears. Oh yes,
1: <laughs> that songs from the
0: big chair yes. is a phenomenal album. It's Flawless,
1: so doesn't good. have a bad track on it, and flows perfectly.
0: Yeah, it is a if if people just know like everybody wants to rule the world and head over heels yeah. like like the radio hits, yeah. do yourself a favor if you like those songs and go listen to the entire songs mm-hmm. from the big chair album. It is so good.
1: Definitely. Good call. Good call on that one.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. I knew I was gonna and we'll that's the great thing about going back later when we do the year <laughs> by year because oh, I yeah. guarantee some big things that we forgot. Um so um, the the only other question I had for you, we can wrap up. I think we're at an hour here, but um, uh, I wondered if there are any big stars um, or big names or big acts that you cannot stand. I'm sure there's a bunch. Brad Brad is very nice and and upbeat and and fluffy on our podcast here, but but Brad like on Facebook and in real life is a very cynical, uh, hardened bastard. So <laughs> I know there's I jaded know there's,
1: bastard. Yes.
0: Um, yeah, I'm gonna give you my two. Uh, yeah. It wasn't always this way, uh, but my two are uh, again came up in the '80s. Still very popular. Bon Jovi. I can't. I can't stand Bon Jovi. I was okay, like you know, when he came out, you know, um, Runaway and you know, yeah. You Give Love a Bad Name. Yeah, yeah, all fine. But now, literally, if it comes on Pandora, I th- I thumbs down. If it, I, I actually okay. told our Alexa, I said, Alexa, never play Bon Jovi again. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Ian. Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good one. And, and, and who else? Because I'm, I'm
0: the other one. this, he started earlier, but I, I still can't stand him. There's one or two songs that are tolerable. I do not like Billy Joel and I know uh, that's not a popular nope, opinion. But
1: right. And I will probably get a little bit of shtick for that, but I absolutely agree. I've, I mean, I have to admit, um, Billy, I'm looking at what my first couple cassettes were. I think was it Uptown Girl? Was that his one of his earlier? Was that?
0: uh, I don't know about earlier, but definitely that was one around. It was late '70s, early '80s for sure. That was
1: one of my first cassettes, along with Culture Club and The Police, and that yeah again started a very short-term love affair with Billy Joel, to which you know I cannot stand him. Yeah, it's yeah. I think the only thing that he did good in his entire career, personally, and this is yeah. was I I did like the video and the song for We Didn't Start the Fire. That's about as much of Billy Joel as I can tolerate in any given setting.
0: I think that might have been the song that first set me off. Because and again it's it's sometimes sometimes it's not their fault. Like that song was just Everywhere and, and for yeah. whatever reason there are right. songs that rub me wrong because maybe I, I they don't click with me at first and then they get overplayed and instead yeah. of growing on me they just grind me down and it's okay. uh there are others like I like Springsteen, I cannot stand dancing in the dark. No um that song was everywhere, the video was everywhere, I know Courtney Cox is in it, I don't care. Um <laughs> uh that one and again I love I loved the Bangles, I loved everything else. Can't stand Manic Monday.
1: No can't stand right. that song. Right, it's 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 amazing. And I think this, you know, in every decade that we've contended with, and I, I can allude to issues with Nirvana in the 90s of the radio play of just drilling a certain three or four songs, which pretty much anyone can name, into our heads to the point where you don't want to hear the video, you don't want to hear it on the radio, you don't want to see it live. It's just the, the songs, they they grind, like you said, I think the best way is they they've ground you down because it's overplayed and overkill.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what got me to that point with Aerosmith. It was it was too much. Yeah. It was, and those songs are still on the radio, yes, like right. somewhere right now on a hundred stations. "Love in an Elevator" is playing.
1: Oh, of course it is. And yeah. I and I would prefer dude looks like dude looks like a lady playing. But no, that that would probably be uh, shelved in flavor of the more poppy commercial Aerosmith that became the late mid to late '80s into the '90s.
0: Uh but, but yeah so I, yeah those were those were a couple that came to mind Did, do you have any that um that pop into your head
1: i i mean i agree with you on 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 billy joel as a whole if i had to rate one individual that i just have no love for no interest um 80s wise i'm trying to think if there's like another band or artist that just i can't tolerate and i i, I think i mean it's funny that we have that same synergistic thought process on you know you've you've captured that even without us talking about that in advance you've kind of nailed the ones yeah i was never a big fan of banjo bon jovi as well um and again another band that mtv embraced and pushed it on us to the point where you just can't you know you you don't you it makes you sick to hear the music but yeah (laughs) i I think i think you know if i had to at the end of the day of a list of uh, individuals billy joel would be at the top of I'm not the least bit interested in anything that he's done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me too. Awesome. All right. Well, the uh, we can wrap up or we can keep going. If there's, is there anyone you didn't, cause it, it again, and we'll do this. We'll hang up with each other and we'll, yeah. we'll text each other and be like, Oh fuck, I forgot this. Or whatever. <laughs> and cause we, cause like I, we almost forgot tears for fears, which is one that we both really like.
1: And um. another band, this is a, just a, a random pull in uh, that, Again, fared fairly well uh, from the 70s into the 80s uh, with the advent of uh, MTV and a band that I don't own, but I do really appreciate having watched a lot of them in concerts and uh, individually as musicians. Hall & is a band that oh, yeah. I really enjoy them. That's another good, solid Americana band that falls into that genre of the Billy Joel's, the Springsteen's, the Huey Lewis's, that whole pop genre with a little bit of rock and roll infused in there. They were definitely some something that uh, you know, I never expected I would like, but I actually, you know, I will not turn off a Hollow Notes song if it's (laughs) on the radio or if I see it on TV. Um Daryl's House, I remember watching a lot of episodes of that when it was on. I was just fascinated to hear the stories and the of the old artistry of himself mixing with the new artistry and and so forth. Yeah. So Hollow Notes I think would be another band that I have a great fondness for enjoyed it then, but I actually really appreciate it now more as an adult.
0: Yeah. They, um, there's a couple like, they're a little too poppy for me. Like your kisses on my list. Not a, not a huge fan of that one, but uh man eater, uh, I think it's a really good song. Um, yeah, they had, they had some good stuff. Um, Oh, I I know we're trying to wrap up, but I keep thinking of things. Um, uh, (laughs) Where do you stand? Now, this song, for whatever reason, has come back into kind of the, I don't know if it's the national zeitgeist or, or even worldwide, but it's everywhere now. And before I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good 80s song. Now, instead of me hating it, hearing it all the time, I actually really have come to appreciate it. Where do you stand on Africa by Toto?
1: I, I, if uh, I could read your brain, because I did. And again, having no prescripted notes in front <laughs> of us, I knew this is exactly where you were going to go. <laughs>
0: That's funny. It,
1: I, I, it's funny because I always associate that, that as an, one of those consummate 80s songs that just is and appreciated it, never quite understood it, never quite understood the video. And then it just kind of, you know, like the band itself, kind of disappeared. And then obviously with, with Weezer bringing it back. That plus now the actual song, the original version is being played again. So, yeah, I, I actually, you know, I joke about, oh, God, I really, and I roll my eyes, but I kind of, it's like a guilty pleasure. I actually do appreciate uh, Toto and I do appreciate what they've done. Uh, and I think it's a, a really good song, obscure. And, you know, a lot of people try to figure out what the references are, but that is a really great track. And I think the original, you know, definitely des- deserved a much needed um, kind of. Not necessarily a revamp by uh, Weezer, but deserved a second shot in the public eye, and it seemed to take storm in the public consciousness because you know I'll, I'll be hearing people whistling it at random,
0: <laughs> yeah. so
1: it w- and it shows up in commercials. So yeah, it has now come back into the collective public consciousness culturally for us, which I think is kind of neat.
0: Yeah, and it's funny how that happened because uh, my kids were telling me that I, I can't remember if it was last year, maybe the year before, but uh, on their bus on the ride to school in the morning, they would uh, the bus driver would have the radio on, and literally every morning, uh, Africa would come on, and after a little while, every kid on the bus is singing with that song. Wow! And that's that's kind of, that's just a strange thing to happen yeah. with a song that's that old, right?
1: Um, to kind of to kind of like overtake the minds of the children and it's like (laughs) like the the modern Pied Piper, if you will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Must go to Africa.
1: Right. Must go to Africa and understand lyrics.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think speaking of lyrics, I think that's one of my favorite songs too. I'm a big fan of uh, adding my own, Lyrics to songs oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. and my one of my favorites with that one is, uh, I met Lorraine down in Africa. That's, <laughs> that's what I generally sing. But, the, and also,
1: and I and I think, you know, and I know there's some web pages uh, dedicated to this out in on the interwebs, but there there's a lot of songs by bands that I adore and love that, in my mind, you know, back in the day when we would open up our cassettes, and all the bands largely would have their lyrics in there. You know, some of the times I wouldn't go because you know a lot of the artwork back in the day was just s- superficial in the sense that it was on the outside of the insert art for cassette tapes. You mm. open it up, there might be a couple pictures on the inside, but you, largely it was comprised of lyrics. You know, I had all the opportunity in the world to learn you know lyrics by the Thompson Twins in many ways or Cyndi Lauper. The what we, and I would just kind of do what you did, make up my own. And- <laughs> yeah. Then, But never quite sing it loud enough where I could be called out like, that's not what they say, that's not what they're singing. So, yeah, I've been, I definitely have that uh, little mark on my record of, uh, you know, even being a devoted fan, not knowing every lyric and nuance uh, of how the song is sung to get it correct.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my mom and I have recurring jokes about that because, yeah, when I I was a kid, there were a bunch of misheard lyrics that... um, That I had, and uh, one of them was it. Who did send me an angel? Was that Howard Jones?
1: Send me an angel. Yeah, an angel right now. Ah,
0: I think it was Howard Jones, or maybe no, no, not. What did he do? He did. Uh, Anyway, Uh, send me an angel. Yeah. Um, (laughs) <laughs> the, i didn't really hear it this way i don't think but the joke always was my mom brings it up from time to time. is uh send me an eggshell
1: that's that's, an what, egg <laughs>
0: that's what i was hearing now i gotta look it up because i can't remember yeah
1: that's that's remember. a good one
0: <laughs> um it's gonna bug me if i don't i'll have to look it up because i don't remember who did that song um yeah my wife has one she'll probably kill me for for uh talking about it on the podcast but and i i think this is to to in her defense this is a song that i think everybody has this for uh it's the lyrics to dirty deeds done dirt cheap Oh yeah. um and i i'm trying to think of what she heard as a kid it was like something like dirty knees and thunder cheeks <laughs> like and uh my buddy rich thought it was uh dirty deeds and the thunder jeep he thought it was like a like a gi joe vehicle he didn't know about
1: nice <laughs> <laughs> priceless
0: <laughs> send me an angel who who did this i gotta know who did um, this. yeah me too real life i would real real life. not have got life that i would not have done that yeah um awesome brad have you is there anything else we want to talk about I, th- or we-
1: I think we did good for an overview show this was excellent
0: yeah this was so super fun and obviously you and i are big music guys so yeah. we could this- we could talk about this stuff forever and that's why it's great i'm i'm happy that you uh, came up with the idea for kind of the overview of yeah. because I, I think that allowed us to, to do some different things that we won't be able to do when we go into the year-by-year breakdown. But again, in, when we get into the year-by-year breakdown, we'll get to go a little deeper on um, on other stuff like specific right. album releases and uh, kind of what was you know popular trends that year and things like that. So, That's yeah, great. that was a, a great idea. I, I uh, appreciate it and uh, I've had a ton of fun as always. Me too. Awesome. So we will be back next month and with it being october we thought it would be a good time to do our first uh, deep exploration of a movie and we'll do a scary movie and i'm not sure if we've made a decision on which one yet i'm going to leave it up to brad but we're going to we'll watch the movie we'll take our notes and we'll we'll go nice and deep on a, on an 80s scary movie and uh, I will, once we decide, I will post on the Facebook page ahead of time. So you guys can, if it's a movie you've never seen, you can check it out. If it's something you haven't seen in a long time, you can check it out and refresh your memory. If it's... Uh, um you know something that you saw recently and you love you can watch it again but either way we'll um we'll let you guys know what it is and uh that'll be our first kind of deep dive into the movies of the 80s um so far brad i gotta tell you i'm having a blast doing this show i know we're only two episodes in but it's um it's everything that i wanted it to be you and i are as we've shown we're very much on the same wavelength even though we're across the country um so yeah i'm having a great time with it so i appreciate you coming on the journey thank you sir All right, so for Brad Anderson, my name is Ian Clark, and we want you all to know that it's safe to dance. Pure energy. Pure energy. energy. You've been listening to Ego, the 80s Geek Out podcast with Ian Clark and Brad Anderson. We are a part of the Freebooters Network. Check out the FreebootersNetwork.com to listen to all the awesome podcasts on the network. We also invite you to check out our sponsor, Geek Nation Tours, at geeknationtours.com and interact with our Facebook page to ask questions, offer comments, and critiques. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.